Amen. I'll tell you what, she got to play the offertory tonight. She got to sing the solo tonight. Want to preach too? She probably could. I bet she could preach a hot message. Yeah, then she'd want to be put on salary, so we'll just leave it where it is. Okay. And that was a wonderful offertory, and that was a nice solo. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. Get your Bibles, please, and turn, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 tonight. This morning we began a series of messages. I don't know how many. I have no clue. I'm sure I won't preach. I might. I was going to say I probably won't preach on faith uh, on uh, Thanksgiving Sunday. I doubt if I'll be preaching on faith during uh, Christmas time, although who knows. You might get that in there too. But anyway, we started this morning foundational message on who has faith. And, we, and we, the answer to that question is everyone has faith of some kind. Unsaved people have faith. And Christians especially have spiritual faith, all right? Faith in the Lord, trust in the Lord. Tonight we want to tackle the second question. Again, it's a simple foundational uh, question, but we can't skip over it and just assume we all know this. And that is the question of what is faith? What do we mean by faith? What is faith? Simply put, spiritual faith is personal confidence in God, accepting his word as true and then acting upon it. That I think would be a good definition, just a simple definition of what do we mean by faith, spiritual faith, Christian faith. Faith is personal confidence in God, accepting his word as true and acting upon it. Now the actions are not the faith. The actions are the result of the faith. Literally faith in action. If you read the entire 11th chapter of Hebrews, which we're not going to do tonight, if you read that sometime... You're going to see that the actions of the people were varied. The actions of these great godly people, they were varied. There were many different people that did a lot of different things, but they were all people of faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, and they all did something different. The faith was what led them to do what they did. Somebody a long time ago in our church came into my office one time and wasn't real happy about my preaching. And he said, I just, you just preach things I disagree with. And I said, I, 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 don't, I don't know anything that I have preached that's against the Bible. So would you tell me just something, give me some example of something that I've preached that you totally disagreed with. He said, well, your series of messages on Hebrews 11. He said, I disagree with the whole series. I said, I don't know how you could disagree with the messages I preached on Hebrews 11. He said, well, all you, all you mentioned was the people did things. You know, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did that, so-and-so did this. He said, listen, look right at me. He said, these people didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. God did it all. He said, you're just wrong. He said, just preach the whole series was bad. He said, these, these people did not do anything. God did it all. I said, I totally disagree with that. God did the speaking, and they did the actions. I know God prompted them. I know God led them. I know God that empowered them. But God did not come down from heaven and offer a sacrifice. By faith, Abel offered the sacrifice. Amen? Abel experienced the faith to believe that what God said was true and he acted upon it. But God didn't walk with himself. <laughs> Enoch walked with God. God didn't build the ark. God told Noah how to build the ark, and told him why to build the ark, and how to build the ark, and so forth. But, you know, Noah, by faith, built the ark. God didn't have, God didn't have strength to conceive and bear a son like Sarah did. God did all, I mean, people did all those things, but they did them by faith because God did the speaking. God did the speaking, they did the listening, 
And they responded in faith, saying, whatever God says is true, and I'm going to act upon that. And that's what Hebrews 11 really is all about. God spoke a message to them. They accepted God's word as being true, something that they could depend upon, and they acted accordingly. And by the way, and Jason took us there in Sunday school this morning. I said, oh, man, don't mention those verses. They're in the message tonight. But it's kind of review time, and I was glad. It really, it's, it's good to hear it again. Go back to Hebrews chapter 10, and look at verses, uh, he, he read through 35 to 30, uh, 39 this morning. Just uh, 38 and 39, okay? Because what leads into, look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. In fact, read it with me out loud, please. Here we go, Hebrews 11, 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. One more time, please. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So why did God lead the writer of Hebrews to say, now faith is the substance? Where did this thing of faith come from? Where's the topic of faith? And again, we know that these men didn't say, that's the end of chapter 10, I'll just start chapter 11, okay? So go back and read, if you will, follow along as I read verses 38 and 39. Now the just shall live by, together, faith. The just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But, contrast, we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. But them that, next word, believe, same Greek word, believe. We are not of them who draw back to perdition. But we are them that believe to the what? The saving of the soul. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so we have the the statement made that the just shall live by faith, whatever faith is. We are not of those who draw back into perdition. We're of those who believe, whatever that is, to the saving of the soul. And now God says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now a lot of times when we look at chapter 11, verse 1, I think we're tempted to kind of have like two messages here, like two parts of this verse. So... Here we have this definition of faith. Almost every commentary I have says that this is a definition of faith. There are two or three that say, no, this is really is not a definition of faith. This is an explanation of faith. This is really just kind of telling us, you know, how faith, so just anything but the definition of what it's like or what's involved in faith, but not a definition. Most commentaries by far would say, look, this is a definition of faith. In fact, they would say this is the only Bible definition of faith where God says, you want to know what faith is? Okay, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. But see, you got faith is the substance of things hoped for. End of the first phrase. Oh, also, faith is the evidence of things not seen. And really, we look at that as two different things, and we kind of want to preach two different messages on that, but it's really wrong to do that. There's, there's no, some of you know, what's the Greek word for and? A connecting word, and, out loud. Kai, K-A-I, K-A-I. Oh, smart girl, okay, Kai, okay, K-A-I, Kai. Because there's no Kai in here, it really is just one. The second statement explains the first statement, or better yet, the second statement enlarges on the first statement. And you could reverse them, it wouldn't matter. It's just one and the same. And so God says, not in two separate things, two different messages, what is faith? Here's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Can we explain that? Can we enlarge on that? Yes, it is the evidence of things not seen. 
So let's look at those two separately, but still remembering that they really fit together. We'll just say a few things about the first one, but spend more time on the second one, because really they fit together. Number one, faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you have a pen, you want to write something in your Bible, that'd be fine, or jot a little note down there. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Just that first part. Really, faith is the substance of things hoped for. We could say, literally, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Or, I like this bit, faith substantiates. Faith substantiates what? Faith substantiates God's promises. You know, substantiates, substantiates. Faith is substance. Okay, you get the idea. Faith substantiates God's promises. It really is the fulfillment of what we hope for. And what does it do? It makes them a present reality. How many of you believe that one day... When you take your last breath on planet Earth as a Christian, it is absent from the body and present with the Lord. How many of you believe that? Say amen. Amen. Raise your hand. Amen. How many of you believe that after you die, if you're a Christian, you are going to see Jesus Christ with your own eyes? Amen. Got that figured out? And then, oh, you say, well, not only going to see Jesus, but the Bible says that I'm going to be like him, for I shall see him as he is. And I'm going to be in heaven forever and ever and ever. Do we all believe that? Is that past, present, or future? That's future. You ever been to heaven yet? Have you seen heaven? You said, yeah, but I read this book. Forget the books. Yeah, I read this book about this guy who went to heaven. He was there like for five months and came back to earth. No, forget the book. Throw it away. Okay? We have not seen Jesus in heaven. We, we have not, we've not entered heaven. But we believe it as, it's just as though it's a present reality. And it's all because faith is the substance. Faith substantiates. Somebody put it this way. Substance, and this is true. Substance by definition, the literal definition. The word substance is made up of two words, Greek words, okay? This is important, okay? The first word is under, and the second part is to stand. So it's, to, it's not understand, but standing under. Faith stands under. Basically, faith is foundationum. Substance, by definition, that which stands under, it's foundational, that which stands under. So what's the deal? What's he saying here? Look, when you think about spiritual faith, biblical faith, there's really no, there's no room for feeling. There's no reason for feeling. You say, well, I just feel good about this. That doesn't change anything. Praise God for good feelings. Amen. How many of you would rather feel the emotion of joy and assurance and victory as opposed to depression and gloom and despair? Amen. All of us. But we can't go by our feelings. Feelings doesn't change a thing when you're talking about biblical faith. Biblical faith goes like this. Look, God said, you know this, God said it. I believe it. And that settles it, period. Was it Martin Luther? Not Martin Luther King, please. But was it Martin Luther, the great reformer, who said, feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. I'll plant my feet on the word of God. Naught else is worth believing. You ever heard that before? Feelings come. Do they come? Feelings go. Anybody, the roller coaster, you know, feelings, you know, oh, yeah, that, oh, yeah. Oh, that's just people, that's human nature. Feelings come and feelings go, but feelings are deceiving. I'll plant my feet on the word of God. Nothing else, naught else is worth believing or trusting. That's all about, that's all in there. Faith is the substance. Faith substantiates. It's the foundation. There's no room, there's no need for feelings. And by the way, there's no room for physical senses. We don't need taste and hearing and 
smelling and touching and all the rest to substantiate what God says. In fact, sometimes our senses are very, very deceiving. But faith is foundational. Faith is that which stands under. So we don't need, there's no room for feelings and physical senses. And then there's this thing called human reasoning. Well, if I can reason it out, if it makes sense to me, and I can figure it all out, yeah, then I'll believe it. No, it has nothing to do with does it make sense to us. Can we reason it all out and come up with the same conclusion? The fact is, here's the question, what does God say? Well, I accept this because God says it. Even if it doesn't make sense to me, I can't quite, it's not how I would think it. It's not how I would feel about this. It's not what I would do. No, it has nothing to do with our human reasoning. By the way, it has nothing to do with our mental comprehension, understanding. It's just what God says. I told you this morning about talking with a fifth grade girl in my class on Wednesday. In the middle of our discussion, you know what she said? Pastor Carsey's, I don't understand God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Like, could you explain that to me? I thought, wonderful. <laughs> okay, would you like to explain that to a fifth grade girl? Okay, listen. You all believe in God the Father? God the Son? God the Holy Spirit? Three gods, right? No, one God. Co-equal, co-existent, co-eternal. One God in three persons, and they all have distinctly different responsibilities, shall we say, and yet it's one person. Can I understand that? No. You say, well, that's your problem, man. You're dumb. No, you can't understand it either. But somebody has said this. If you try, you've heard this, if you try to understand the Trinity, you will lose your mind, but if you fail to believe in the Trinity, you will lose your soul. So when you talk about faith is the substance of things hoped for, it's foundational, it stands under, it substantiates, just as though the future and these other things that, that we believe, they're present realities, only because, here's the key, God said it. So, we got the first phrase. What about the second phrase? The evidence of things not seen. Faith is not only the substance of things hoped for, it is the evidence of things not seen. Could I give you a couple of words to write down in your Bible or your notes or at least get them in your mind, okay? The evidence, inward conviction. It'd be a good expert, inward conviction. Or convincing, here's a good word, it's convincing proof. Faith is inward conviction. Faith is convincing proof of things that we have not seen as yet and in fact we can't see them. Because the world says seeing is what? That's what the world says. Seeing is believing. Okay? You show me and I'll believe it. I'll believe what I'll see. That's the unsaved. If I see it, I'll believe it. Because seeing is believing. The Christian says, here's the difference. I choose to believe what I can't see. That's faith. That's convincing proof. I choose to believe what I can't see. By faith, I am inwardly convinced of that which I have not and I cannot see. Why am I convinced of it? Simply because, one reason, because God 
said it, and I will trust God. It's not that complicated. We have a perfect illustration of this, by the way, by the way, right after this. Look at verse 2. For by it, faith, the elders obtained a good report. Let's skip over that and go to verse 3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. Now, would you read that verse with me and read it slowly and think about it? And I have a question for you, okay? Here we go. Together. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. That's a perfect illustration of the phrase in verse 1 that faith is the evidence, the inward conviction of the things not seen. Say, what do you mean? Well, raise your hand, please. Don't raise it if you don't don't mean it. How many of you believe that creation is the direct result of God speaking? That the heavens and the earth, mankind, universe, it's all here because God said it. God spoke it into existence. We say ex nihilo, out of nothing. How many of you believe that? Everybody here believes that? What if we ask an unsaved person that question? Same question. There's a good chance that they would answer what? Oh, we've got 100 unsaved people here tonight, okay? How many of you believe that creation is a, is a direct act of God? God, there was nothing there, zero, nothing. And God says, let there be light. Boom, and there was light. How many of you believe that man was created directly by God? No theistic evolution, no basic raw evolution, just all the creation work of God. Raise your hand, please. Most hands would not go up. Most hands would not go up. But we would ask the same question to the unsaved who did not raise their hand and all the Christians who did raise their hand. And you tell me, please, what's a good question to ask? Oh, you say all kinds of questions in in light of the context. Three words. Were you there? That's not the song, were you there when they crucified my Lord? We're not talking about that now. Were you there? How many of you were there in creation when God spoke? Listen, saved people weren't there. Unsaved people weren't there. You say, well, then... But I believe that. Why do you believe that? None of us were there. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence, the convincing inward proof of those things or the assurance of the, of the things. They're a reality to us. Even though we, we didn't see them, we can't see them. Nobody was there when God said, let there be light. Nobody was there when God created man in his own image. We weren't there. And yet, in the depths of my soul, I believe in creation by the direct act of God. I'm convinced of that 100%. Why? There can only be one answer. Well, I like, I prefer scientific proof. I don't go by scientific proof. Most scientific things are theory, hypothesis. And some are proven, some aren't. But the fact is, none of us were there. How many verses are in there in the Bible that say that God clearly created the heavens and the earth, that they are the work. I don't even want to start quoting them, okay? There are, there's verse after verse after verse after verse after verse. And when you read, and it doesn't take a whole bunch of them. If there was only one verse in the entire Bible that said the heavens and the earth, universe, and mankind were created by God Almighty, every person who reads that one verse would have a decision to make. Do I believe in creation by God or not? The one who does, does it by faith. We weren't there. 
Did you notice how the verse began? Verse 3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. There's no other way to come to understand that. It's going to have to be by faith. And by the way, some of the theories of evolution that I've read, it would take more faith to believe those than just read, believe the Bible. Do you agree with that? Some of the explanations of how the earth got here, these millions and billions of years and all these explosions and all the rest of this stuff, it's like, they really believe that? Yeah. To me, that takes more faith to believe that than it does to believe in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. If that was the only verse, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, that settles it for me. It's all because of the definition. By the way, we're in Hebrews 11. We, we don't have time for a whole bunch of, let's just take a few. Would you go please to verse 6? Verse 6. I'm sorry. Would you go please to verse 7? By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen yet, as yet. You might want to underline that. Said that tie in, verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. It's inward conviction. It's the convincing proof of things not seen. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. Moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. So let's just for a moment talk about Noah. Noah. Noah, by faith, did something. What did he do? He built an ark. When did he build this ark? Why did he build this ark? Because God told him there's going to be a flood. Well, what do you mean a flood? Yeah, rain, a lot of rain. Question, had Noah ever seen rain before that time, yes or no? No. He didn't see rain before he picked up his hammer, so to speak. He never saw rain while he was hammering those nails, so to speak. He never saw rain before he started building. He never saw rain. He built, the, don't research this while I'm preaching now, please, okay? Most of us have heard that and, and said, you know, he preached for 120 years. Well, it may not be a full 100. If you, if you read Ken Ham, he'll say it was probably more like 75 years, and there's all kinds of explanation why it's not 120, it's 75, and so forth. You can read that. It's very interesting, but do it when you get home, okay? But for whatever, he didn't build it in six months. He didn't build it in 10 years, 20 years. For 75 to 120 years, he built the ark. Listen to me now. He had never seen it rain before he started building. He never saw it rain while he was building. And when he and his family went into the ark and shut the door, they had never seen rain. But that did not change one thing for Noah. Not one thing. It didn't matter what people said. I have to believe that people laughed him to scorn. I have to believe that people said, you know, the guy's getting old. He's been out in the sun too long. He's lost his mind. It didn't matter what people said. It didn't matter that they called him crazy. Crazy Noah out there. What world is he doing building this big old thing? And by the way, it didn't matter if the sky was blue day after day after day. And it didn't matter if there wasn't a single cloud in the sky. He kept on building the ark, I asked you, friends, why? There's only one reason. He heard God speak, and he believed that God meant what he said. So although he had never seen a drop of rain, in his mind's eye, by faith, he said, you know what? There's going to be a flood. I don't think he said it's going to rain cats and dogs, but he said, it is going to rain. And he kept on building. That's what the verse says. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. 
Moved with fear, prepared an ark for, for the saving of his house. That's Noah. What about Abraham? Look at verses 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed and he went out. Look at the next phrase. Not knowing, you tell me. Not knowing what? He didn't know where he was going, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise. He sojourned by, he, he left Ur by faith, heading out for a land he, he had never seen, never been there, didn't know where he was going, just God promised it. By faith, and he traveled, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country. What did he do? He dwelt in tabernacles, tents with Isaac and Jacob and heirs with them of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Did Abraham ever see the promised land of Canaan? Yes or no? No. Did Isaac see it? You mentioned this in Sunday school. No. Did Jacob see it? No. But in their mind's eye, with the eye of faith, they saw it. And that's why they kept on doing what they did. This is why Abraham left Ur. 75 years old. At the, at, the, at the word of God, he picks up everything and moves out. And he travels, and he travels, and he travels, and he travels, heading toward the promised land of Canaan, but he never saw it. Nor did Isaac, nor did Jacob. You know why? How did he keep going? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the convincing proof of things not seen. So he saw through the eye of faith something based on what God said, and he kept on going. Oh, Hebrews chapter 11 I love this. Go to verse 17. 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Why in the world did he go up to Mount Moriah with his son Isaac? Why did he ever, ever go up there and put Isaac on the altar? Why did he ever take his knife and raise it and he was ready to plunge the knife into the heart of Isaac? Why in the world did he do that? I'll tell you why he did it, because he saw something by faith. And what he saw by faith was based on the word of God. What had God told him? God had said, listen, you are going to have a son. You and Sarah are going to have a son. Yeah, I know you're too old to have a baby, but that doesn't matter with me. All things are possible with me, but just... Trust me now, Abraham, you and Sarah are going to have a son. And in your son, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And your son's descendants are going to be like the sands of the sea and like the stars of the sky. And from your son is going to come the promised Messiah of the world. That's a fact. Question, did Abraham believe that, yes or no? Absolutely. Genesis 15, Abraham believed God and it, his faith was reckoned unto him, counted him for righteousness. He said, God, you said it. I believe back then he says, you said it. I believe it. I'll start making the baby bed here. Now, Isaac's born. We don't know how old he was. Let's say 14, 15, 16, 17 years. I don't know. And God says, Abraham, I want you to go take your son. It's all in Genesis 22. Take your son, Isaac, your son whom you love, your only son, Isaac. And I want you to take him to a mountain where I'll show you. And I want you to offer him there for a burnt sacrifice. And Abraham says, okay, if that's what you say, that's what I do. You know what that's called? That's called living by faith. Did he argue? There's no record of him arguing. Did he pray about it? There's no record of him praying. 
Did he go to Sarah and check? You know, I was, the other day, I, yesterday I was talking to my wife about something. I said, well, I'll do like my, I, I'm doing like my good friend John Bolander does. John would say once in a while, John would say, I'll check with my social secretary. Who's that? His wife. I said, why are you going to check with your social secretary? Oh, I just check with, with, with Suzanne. So I said, Bonnie, I'm checking with my social secretary here, okay? You think Abraham checked with his social secretary? You think he went to, I'm not knocking, one of the best friends I've ever had. We laugh about this, okay? But you think Abraham went to Sarah and said, now this is, what, this is what God told me. What do you think? No, Abraham chose to believe God. And in his mind, he saw all the promises God had made about his son Isaac. And one day, God says, I want you to kill your son. And God says in verse 19 that he did that because he, he accounted, he believed that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. So in Abraham's mind, he says, you know what? I'm going to do exactly what God told me to do because God is going to resurrect my son. The same God that gave me this miracle baby boy is the same God who will raise my son from the dead. You know why? Because God always keeps his word. God has made a promise. God will not go back on his word. I will do what God told me to do, and I'll trust God. I know what he's going to have to do. That's living by faith. That's believing. That's seeing something that you really can't see physically, but with the eye of faith. It makes good sense. I want to look at just one more. Would you go to 24 to 27? What about Moses? By faith, Moses, when he was born. Well, let's go to, uh, let's go to uh, 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. You understand that? Moses willfully chooses to suffer great affliction with the people of God. Forty long years in the wilderness rather to enjoy all the pleasures of sin in Egypt. Why would he do that? Because he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than all the treasures in Egypt. He had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Look at 27. By faith he forsook Egypt. He turned his back on all the gold and the glitter and the popularity and the prestige and all the stuff in Egypt. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Don't miss the last phrase. Why? What's the secret of his faith? For he endured, together please read it, for he endured as seeing him who is what? Invisible. What does it say in verse 1? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence, the convincing proof of something that's not seen. Oh, God says, by faith, Moses forsook Egypt. He endured. How? Because he saw him who is invisible. And that reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Go back to 2 Corinthians, please, if you will. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I love this verse, verse 18. It's a wonderful verse to memorize. It's a great verse to live by. This is for believers. This is for Christians. While we look not, look, see, see, look, see. While we look not at the things which are seen, 
But we look at the things which are not seen. How do you look at something that's not seen? There's only one answer, through the eye of faith. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Why? Because the things which are seen are, out loud, they're temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. And as I mentioned this morning at the close of the message, I mentioned now at the end of the message, same thing. That's the difference between, one difference between an unsaved person, a non-Christian, and a believer. A non-Christian has his eyes on material things and pleasures and possessions and, and dreams and people and things. It's like, it's just, it's what he lives for. He only lives for that which he sees. A Christian, in contrast to that, he doesn't put his eyes on things that are seen. He keeps his eyes fastened on things that are not seen, eternal things, spiritual things, because he knows that all of the seen world is only temporal. What does it say in 1 John? The world passeth away and the lust thereof. In 1 Corinthians 7, the fashion of this world is passing away like a parade. Here it is, it's coming, here it is, and it's gone. But eternal things, spiritual things, are eternal. They never end. Christians, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So what do you have your eyes upon? Because when we live by faith, we live basically people who look at things that we really physically can't see. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And therefore, I've said this often in preaching here, we ought to live with eternity's values in view. And as we said this morning, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, for we walk together, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Close your Bibles, please look up this way. I say this and we're done. I, end, <laughs> I don't plan this. It's just the way it happens. I end just about every message lately. It sounds like we're the same thing. Do you see the importance of this book? Do you see it? Do you see it now? Don't skip devotions, daily, daily Bible reading. Do not skip daily Bible reading. I'll tell you what. It's a blessing. I was talking to Bob Snyder the other day, and he told me, what a blessing he gets every morning, sitting there reading his Bible. He says, I, I, I live by my morning Bible study. And I said, praise the Lord. Don't skip daily Bible reading. If you can't get it all done in any given day, don't skip that. Don't skip Sunday school. Don't skip Sunday morning church. Don't skip Sunday night church. Don't skip Wednesday night Bible study time. And don't skip revival services. Every time there's an opportunity in private and public to get more of the word of God, soak it in. Listen to it. Read it. Memorize it. Meditate upon it. Why? Because what is faith? Faith is believing the word of God and therefore believing the God of the word. God said it. And that's the basis of everything that makes anything, it has anything to do with our life. So you're not going to go far in the, in the area of faith 
without the Bible. Because if you don't know what God says, how can you act accordingly? Let's pray. Boy, you see why we, it's so important today. I feel so bad for the world today of even Christians. So swamped, so engrossed, so taken up with so many different things to capture their every second of their life. And I believe in many people, the Bible is getting squeezed out and they know less and less and less of it. And they wonder why aren't they walking by faith because they don't even know what the Bible says. It's so important. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Help us, I pray now, to have a better understanding of what faith really is. It's just listening to a word from you and realizing who it is that's speaking the word. We accept it as true and we act accordingly. Help our ladies, I pray, to be ladies of faith. Our men to be men of faith. Not for our glory, not for our praise, but to honor you, to glorify you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand together, please, if you will?